welcome back to the SBK betting podcast. We're right in the middle of this very wet January, but we're hoping to brighten up with a few winners like we did last week. I was delighted that Tamurus was able to add to the plethora of grade ones that Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden has been churning in over the course of the winter. Uh, he won the Tolworth, the grade one novice at Sandown, a price of five to two in very good fashion. He wasn't perfect uh, as novices tend to be, but he's definitely another big player to go to war with for the Paul Nichols team. Uh, Ross uh, put up two big prices, Colonel Harry at 20 to 1. He was fourth, but it was the Lastro boy who ran a blinder to be second. He was 25 to 1, Ross. You must have been pleased with those two. Um, but Tamuris, is he a grade one? Uh, he's obviously a grade one winner now, but is he a spring festival grade one winner in your mind as well? Uh, well, they've said that all roads lead to the Supreme, and I think uh, unlikely. I just thought he it was stamina that won the day. Um, if he were to end up in the Ballymore over that trip, he would be of more interest, but that's very unlikely to happen given they've got Hermes Allen fairly close to the head of the market for that. Um, mark of 138 would suggest he's got a bit more to do yet, but I do think that probably doesn't take into consideration. He was probably value for more than the winning margin because he made two pretty sizable mistakes at the last two flights of hurdles having jumped pretty well in the main throughout on that ground up that hill at sandown takes a fair amount of doing to get going again and, and see off the challenger so i think he's probably better than a mark of 138 undoubtedly um if the ground comes up on sort of good to soft i think he's just going to lack a bit of speed for the supreme but he's a he's a smart horse and you have to say noel feely and dave cross doing a mega job recruiting these horses. Um, you know, they had a great weekend. They've had winners all throughout the season um, and syndicate racing, you know, having big horses going to big festivals. It's, it's got to be good for the sport. It's what it's all about, flying the flag for syndicates. Well done to them. Love and Boy was a, a brilliant winner. I really love the way that she's been campaigned by Harry Fry. And I, don't, I think they'll run her again, even maybe before uh, she goes to Cheltenham. Um, but yeah, good weekend for Noel Feely, Dave Cross syndicates. We talk about the ground and needing uh, testing uh, conditions. And that's what we're going to have this weekend come Saturday. The rain continues to pour in and around the whole country. Um, I know Warwick, which is classic chase, is currently heavy. Uh, Kempton is soft. Um, I was there last night. And there was plenty of rain, um, and I imagine that it will probably be even softer than it is currently um, for the Lanzarote Hurdle. And this is the race that we're going to focus at on at Kempton at two forty on Saturday. It's attracted a field of twenty, um, and it's headlined at the moment with Outlaw Peter ninety two for um, that combination. Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. Um, Green Glory for Charles Burns is the intriguing runner. Philip Burns' son's on board. He is at 5-1 to one West Balboa for the Skeltons, who are landing every handicap this this uh, season. Uh, they're 7-1 to one Dubrovnik. Harry 8. Cobbler's Dream, who uh, was uh, last year's winner, is 12-1, to one, along with Harbour Lake and Petit Tonnerre, as well as Scarface. I've always found this a difficult race to get right. Um, and that's really emphasising the role of honour. 66-1 Boren Bill two years ago. You can find horses on a bit of an up. They're more unexposed, like the novelist Cobbler's Dream. He won this with the mark of 122. And it was just his third go in a handicap. Um, he went on to run a 
screamer in the Martin Pipe afterwards who was second to Banbridge. He's now £10 higher, reverting back to hurdles. But I think this is the story of this race. It is those kind of unexposed horses, the, the, the lead protagonists in the field are everything between five to seven years of age, um, Tom. And it's it's a kind of a nature of this race that you sort of find a horse on the upgrade and uh, hopefully something that's, that's slightly ahead of their handicap, Mark. What do you think? Yeah, this race is wide open. It's a phenomenal punting heat. We haven't had too many of those in recent weeks and we won't have many on Saturday because there's a lot of small fields around the uh, the track in, in England and Ireland. Um, but yes, this is a phenomenal punting heat. Five to one, 11 to two favourite, I imagine, on the day. Um, I'm ready to get stuck into it as well with a couple of horses. Now, you've touched on the fact that there are a number of well-handicapped runners in here, and there are. Uh, but there's also last year's winner, Cobbler's Dream. He runs here and some talented rivals who are stepping down in class. So you've kind of got everything to look at, no matter how you want to play these handicap hurdles. But it's the well-handicapped horses that I'll be with. Um, and there's two. First up is a horse called Dubrovnik Harry, trained by Harry Fry, um, a son of a flat stayer, champion flat stayer, Yates. He's only run twice in handicap, so completely unexposed. On the first handicap effort, he ran an EBF final at Sandown last spring. The weather leading up to that meet was horrific. Um, the ground was heavy. It was like a, a mud bath. Yet he ran a really respectable race on a handicap debut, just his fourth career start to finish third. Um, he traveled well. He actually moved into the race like the horse I thought was going to win, but he made a couple of mistakes at the final two hurdles and he just didn't have enough uh, to reel back in the eventual one uh, first and second that day. His only subsequent run came over fences this season. Harry Fry obviously wanted to get him over um, over fences as quick as possible, the bigger obstacles. That's where he sees this horse's future. But Dubrovnik Harry just jumped like a bag of hammers. It was terrible. It was a really bad jumping display. I watched the replay twice. I also watched the race live. I counted seven mistakes. Um, it was just a plethora of poor jumping. Um, and just if you look back at that race, the fact that he managed to finish third, I know it wasn't a good race and the first two have let the form down since, but the fact that he finished third suggests that he is well capable of defying a mark in the mid to high 120s. Now he's switching back to hurdling, which I think is a huge positive given that jumping uh, display at Exeter. He runs off just a mark of 128, carries 10 stone nine, lovely racing weight. This track should be ideal. I don't mind the uh, the ground for him either, and the big field clearly suits, given the EBF final. I think there were 17 runners when he finished third last year. So Dubrovnik Harry is number one. And the other horse I like is another unexposed runner, which is Scarface, also carrying a lightweight, 10 stone seven, off a rating of just 126. Another horse with an extremely high ceiling, could be anything. Um, and I expect him to take a huge step forward for when he won at Ascot the other day in a three-runner race. He had to do it the hard way. Out in front from the outset, just doesn't want to be out in front. You could tell he was idling. He wasn't really finding anything. He didn't want to go clear of his other runners. These are herd animals, remember. But as soon as a horse came up alongside, Paul Nichols' trainee, he picked up and won decisively at the end. Colin and Joe Tizard pitched him in at the deep end in bumpers and novice hurdles last year. He actually ran second to a 132-rated horse called Skytastic at Ascot, and it was a really good effort, travelled like the best horse in the race, just didn't have that grit and determination uh, close to the finish line to win. But I believe he's going to be really well suited to the fast-paced, big-field handicap. And again, at a double-figure price, I expect Scarface to run well. So I'll split my stakes, Scarface and Dubrovnik Harry. Yeah, well, they're definitely uh, value for what they are at the moment. Um, just looking at Scarface, and he comes in at 12 to 1. Dubrovnik Harry, 8 to 1. Um, but I did think it was interesting. You probably like the comments of the um, part owner of Scarface that says that he'll be better in a better race. He wants to be covered up and towed along. 
as he's got a high cruising speed. Um, that was um, after he won that that three-runner race. So you think that the hustle and bustle of this uh, Lanzarote should definitely suit him. They, they normally go quite quick, don't they, TC? Yeah, I think they're definitely going to suit. Um, this horse performed well in bumpers and in novice hurdles over shorter distances. So we know he's got speed. And both his victories this year, in fact, I know we've just touched on the Ascot race, the three-runner race. But even the, his uh, reappearance at Plumpton, he was sent off one to four. There was nothing in there that was capable of even leading him. So despite the fact that Brennan Powell wanted to take a pull and a lead that day, he ended up just going to the front from an early stage, which again wouldn't have suited. So he's posted RPRs this year of 122 at Plumpton, 128 last time at Ascot. He's running off a mark of 126, which based on those two RPRs suggests he's potentially well in anyway. And I'm 100% sure we haven't seen him at his best. So not only has he probably got, what, two pounds in hand on RPRs, I think he's probably got 10, 12 pounds in hand on actual ability. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's an intriguing one, Scarface. I think he's been entered in, in better races than this as well. Um, and that's the same with uh, the some of the leader protagonists in, in terms of the betting. I think Outlaw Peter uh, Ross was a horse that Paul Nichols has suggested could be could go into better grade than this. And he they're taking advantage of a, a handicap mark of of 130 um you know we've seen him run in in a in a grade two at Chepstow around the Persian War and obviously Paul Nichols has got such a healthy a number of these types of animals he's going to want to go and find big pots so I'm not surprised he's in here do you think he's the right is he opposable though do you think considering he's got quite a nice weight as well plenty going for him yeah he he has um I, I just always take a view that this is the time of the year where Paul Nichols' form just starts to dip. You, you make a very good point that it's how stronger, far longer than it normally does. But uh, I, just a short enough price in a big enough field, he, he put me off. Um, I think Green Glory, I mean, he's up £16, but he did win very easily. He could well still be ahead of that mark. But you imagine there's probably only two people that know that, and that's probably Charles Burns and his, and his son. And so you simply can't... Punt, I don't think, at, at that sort of price. I took a very similar view to TC, and I think there are horses that are unexposed, that the handicappers, you know, not going to have perhaps got to know just yet, and some decent horses stepping stepping down in grade. So the, the two I came down on is uh, Staghorn uh, for Archie Watson, Nick Schofield coming back from uh, a long injury absence. He was disappointing i thought in in the, the the spring festivals just didn't look at home on on the quicker ground and probably in that that better grade um, but they were grade ones at, at cheltenham and entry prior to that uh, on this weekend last year he won the grade two leamington novices hurdle on soft ground from the front um beating gentlemen at, arm, at gentlemen at arms and and Scipion. um and he did that very nicely very easy on just his second hurdle start um I think soft ground is essential to him. He's a strong stayer, having won over two miles off a mark of 103, I think it was, at Pontefract. Um, I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. I, Archie Watson is a very shrewd operator, normally on the flat. It wouldn't surprise me if he's been kept back for this. Um, I couldn't see an abundance of, of pace, certainly towards the head of the market. Green Glory, Outlaw Pete, West Balboa, Dubrovnik Harry uh, are, are going to want to be held up. I think Harbour Lake, they'll probably hold him up this time because he was pretty keen last time. Um, and I just thought Staghorn might be able to get into a nice rhythm at the front and slightly dictate it. Uh, I thought he was was really interesting. Um, and then the, the next one uh, coming down in grade 
is is Pentland Hills. Um, you know, switching uh, as uh, Dubrovnik carriers back to hurdles from fences, um, albeit he, he did win in a in a canter on his chase debut at Huntingdon uh, in a in a walkover, um, and then and then followed on with that with just two efforts where he hasn't looked comfortable over fences. But crucially to my eye, he's looked to travel with enough exuberance. He doesn't look like he's not enjoying the game. He just looks to me like he's struggling to jump the fences. Like most Triumph hurdle winners, it looks like stamina is his forte. He went over a mile six uh, at Haydock on the flat. Um, that takes a bit of a bit of getting. Um, and I, I just thought off a mark now, £10 below his highest mark, um, he's interesting. He's He's got form on on soft ground. I think he'll go on it. Um, Nathan Brennan takes off £7. The go-to line is that he's he's good value for the £7. I'm not truthfully sure that he is good value for the full £7. He's pretty inexperienced. He's a young lad that's moved around a few different yards, which does slightly put me off at times. But he's a condition in Nicky Henderson's yard. You know, you've, you're not walking into that job unless you've got a bit about you and a bit of talent. Nicky Henderson has used him on some on some big horses. And I think provided he gets them settled, I think he's got a great chance um, off, off, a, off a pretty reasonable weight. Um, and he's still a young horse. Got something interesting. I don't know if you've noted this of all of Nicky Henderson's last winners. The three winners of this race that he's had over the last 10 years, um, which goes back to Oscar Dara in 2013, William Henry in 2018 and 2020 Burroughs Edge. What do they all have in common? Well, I, I, I'll let you into a little. I was just talking to TC before we started. I backed Oscar Dara Dara nine years ago because it was actually on my first date with my now wife, wow. and she had the second Romeo America at 100 to one. But I haven't Paid a clue. I haven't a clue what all three are in common. All three in common is that they all were switching back from fences to hurdles. And interestingly, um, I think it was William Henry who fell and then went and won when he got switched back to hurdles. And Burroughs Edge had pulled up, or maybe it's the other way around, but they both had letters to their name. And what happened to Pentland Hills last time? He fell. So switchbacks, it's an old, it's an old uh, game or method that maybe Nicky Henderson has played before and he's seen that this opportunity is there and he's done it. And he's a man who likes to follow a, follow a, a well-trodden path. So you, you have to think at Pentland Hills, I think the only thing is, does he still retain the ability um, that he had prior to the injury? Um, obviously, he was off for a long time with the tendon, and you just always need to need to see that spark. Um, and perhaps the fences were just the issue with him, and return to hurdles will revive him. But an intriguing little insight there. I think that we have to touch on Green Glory again. Yeah, look, this is a horse for Charles Burns is so shrewd, an operation that we have known for years and years. Loves to pull off a bit of a gamble. This is a horse who I have not seen start. Um, at a bigger, at double figure prices for a long, long time. He won his bumper at Punchestown at 25 to 1. But since then, he's really been pretty much well punted, hasn't he? Um, the team know when they've got something, a good thing. But as you say, a mark of 111, winning that Leperstown novice handicap, which was a very good performance. And he clearly was, is a horse that was well on the right side of the handicap at that time. I just thought the big galloping nature of Leperstown probably suited him better to the tight nature of Kip Kempton um, as well. So being up 16 pounds and over, you can't take Kempton uh, lightly. It's um, it, it can be, it can really find horse, horses out. Um, 
maybe quickly, Ross, thoughts on the skeleton runner. We can't ignore skeletons, horses in these races. West Balboa, very lightly raced mare. Um, she's coming into this off with a mark of 130. We just, you just can't put a line through them as options, can you? No, you have to respect them in, in, in the handicaps. They clearly have a very well thought out plan. I just didn't think she finished particularly strongly last time. I just wonder whether this is her trip on, on this ground. Um, that would be the concern for me. Okay, right. Worth touching on in case anyone is querying. I've got two and they both come from uh, the, the leading stables, but um, different uh, perspectives. Um, we've got Nikki Henderson is also represented by Reth. Rath McNee, um, a son of Jetaway, Nico de Boinville's on board, 10, 10 stone 7, which is a nice a weight to have for this race, um, will be a double-figure price, no doubt. And that's because it's probably got a lesser profile than some of these, especially Pentland Hills. But has done nothing wrong bar the, bar the race at Cheltenham, where he was 10th uh, of 19, but the saddle slipped that day. So I don't think you can count that as a run at all. He won last time out at Doncaster. His form is all right good enough uh, i think he's progressive especially at this trip and i just like his his mark for a race like this and i think he'll appreciate the softer ground as well um i just think he's a big prize for um a race where um nikki henderson uh, has done well in albeit with horses reversing from chasing back down to hurdles um the other one is red risk for paul nichols or freddie ginger i still think that this is a an amazing time of year considering as we touched upon usually Paul Nichols is very quiet but he is every if you look through his runners over the last 10 days or so they've went they're either winning or being placed he's clearly got plenty of ammunition to run um, potentially the couple of weeks out that we had in early December he's sort of changed things around for him and he needs to get things running but I think Red Risk has been given um, a break on purpose he needs to go fresh this is what they're trying to work out with him he's clearly a bit of an enigma he can throw in the towel when he wants to, but he was a bit of a surprise winner at Newbury last time where he beat Petit Tonnerre, who lines up again here today. Um, he's up a good bit in the weights. He's got uh, eight pounds extra, but we talk about conditional jockeys and uh, Nathan Brennan having a big opportunity. Freddie Gingell, he's been brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed watching him this season. I saw him have another winner at Wing Canton last week. Um, this is a good opportunity for him. And if they have got Red Risk fit, um, fresh again, he could run a run a good race. Um, I'm not sure whether he's the kind of horse that backs up his wins because he hasn't in the past. But if keeping him fresh helps, then that should be a one for him. So the rest of the weekend um, is looking pretty busy over in Ireland. And I know we've had a few comments on our YouTube channel asking about doing more Irish racing. And I've got a couple of uh, things in mind for our listeners and our viewers. But there is good racing on the flat and the all weather, we've also got Warwick in the classic chase as well. Um, and I know there's uh, Norsley Road, a horse to follow of Ross Miller's at the beginning of the season that's uh, running at, at Warwick as well. I'll come to you first, Ross, um, for your nap and your next best selections. What 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 are you looking forward to seeing on Saturday? Well, I am looking forward to seeing Norsley Road. I think that's a fiercely competitive race that I didn't want to be going anywhere near but i think it's well worth watching i think it'll race that's right plenty of winners for my nap i'm sticking at kempton uh the 205 pick dory is going to be a very short price favorite here and he is a horse i really like but the fact of the matter is he's never won on soft ground and he's definitely going to get soft testing ground here um and i just think this race has got the makeup that's not going to suit him david maxwell rides saint calvados um 
we all love St. Uh, David Maxwell on this podcast, as everyone knows. But he got run away with last time. Make no bones about it, Ascot. St. Calvados was in complete control. He is a tricky ride, and it might just be that he's a bit above uh, Mr. Maxwell's ability. And I could see St. Calvados taking Pictorion up front um, and both of them doing a bit too much. As a consequence, the horse I really like here is Paint the Dream, who will handle soft ground, ran a career best last time. Uh, he gets two pounds from Pictori, despite being rated three pound higher. So in a handicap, he'd be five pound worse off than he is here. Um, he's a very tricky horse to place because he's probably not a 160 horse in truth, um, but he's too high in the handicap for handicaps. He's not a top notcher. I think this looks an ideal opportunity for him. Uh, Connor Brace knows him well, rides him for his granddad. And I think uh, as second favourite, he'll likely be. I think he'll beat the favourite, Pick Dory. Angel's Breath's in there as well. Amazing to see him off the back of 1,121 days layoff. Um, really best of luck to the Sam Toms team, who another favourite of the podcast. And we are hoping um, that um, he's got that horse back to his very best. Still has not had a winner um, for quite some time now. And I really think that this team deserves one because they keep coming second. Grey Diamond was running... Was going to be running quite a good race at Kempton last week, uh, my selection before falling. Um, I, I hope it will happen for them. But yeah, looking forward to seeing Angel's Breath. But paint the dream, the nap selection. What's your ne next best, Ross? Next best stays at Kempton, the 350, the Amy Murphy train, Caleb. Um, that form now at Haydock is looking pretty strong when beaten seven length by Tamuras. Tamuras is off a mark of 138. So I think this mark of 126 I think it is looks more than workable um he's already got decent form around uh Kempton uh, in a bumper when finishing second I think he's tuned up for this I think he's going to be better over further in time but the soft ground should make this a, a a full test over the two miles and I think he'll go very close okay so that's Caleb that's um uh, two two extra selections for Kempton from Ross. Okay, over to TC we go. Got some Lingfield action as well for you this uh, this Saturday. There he goes. There's the grin we want to see. <laughs> Kempton didn't quite work out last Saturday um, no. for me or for you. A uh, bit of a horror show, really. So let, let, I'd imagine you want it to be a bit better this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I went to Kempton last Saturday, so it was a double horror show. Not only were the selections not good, but uh, I was there in, in person to witness it. Um, hopefully, yeah, better this weekend. Just the, the nap will be on the all-weather this week. The next best is going to be overjumped. The nap is Silky Wilkie in the 120, uh, 145 Sorry, at Lingfield. This is a 0-105, six furlong handicap. You can put a line through five of the nine runners. They don't really stand a chance on form. The four you have to think about, top weight and aff. He warrants respect, ran at group and listed level last year, but coming back from a layoff. Street Kid, he's a here and now horse, been running really well consistently in races of this nature, but has been finding it hard to win. And then you've got two horses that ran against each other recently. Tiger Bay, who was subsequently well supported uh, at Kempton on Saturday, in fact, when he ran a great race to finish second uh, behind a David Simcock horse who was clearly very well treated. Um, and the other one is Silky Wilkie. Now, two runs back for Tiger Bay, last start for Silky Wilkie. Tiger Bay beat Silky Wilkie by a nose in a photo finish. If you watched that replay or watched it live, you would have thought Silky Wilkie won. Uh, fast finisher down the outside, looked like clearly got his head in front, but didn't, uh, according to the photo. Tiger Bay was given the, the success. But I think Silky Wilkie has all the chance to reverse the form. I think he was the best horse in the race that day, and I think he's better treated this time around, so he should be able to reverse the form. 
Carl Burke's four-year-old made 18 consecutive starts after his debut, which was run over five and a half furlongs. 18 consecutive starts over five furlongs. Won four times, finished second eight times, was super consistent, Was go uh, would go to the front early, would rally under pressure and, and run his race every single time. Last time out, they stepped him up to six furlongs for the first time. And that improved performance when he should have won, but finished second, just suggests there's so much more in the locker from this horse. He wasn't drawn very well at all. He slightly missed the kick, which was surprising given he was running over shorter distances and raced prominently. Sam Fielden, who was on board, seven-pound claimer, was forced to take a pull. He was three wide throughout the whole portion of that race. Coming into the home bend, he went six wide because he had to go wide to to make his challenge. Um, Yet the horse was still beating a nose. He absolutely flew. If you pause that race with about 100 yards to run, he's not even in the camera, yet he somehow almost wins. I, I think think it was miles better than Tiger Bay in that race, especially given the amount of ground he would give away. In America, for dirt races or weather races, they have this chart which shows how many feet each horse gives, gives away by racing wide on the track. And if we had that chart for that race at Lingfield, Jesus, uh, Silky Wilkie would have given away double three times the amount that Tiger Bay did. So I just think uh, he's going to reverse the form here. And albeit Sam Fielden's got inexperience in the saddle, he's ridden a fair few winners. He looks promising for a £7 claimer, and I'm happy from the better draw to take another chance on Silky Wilkie. Uh, the next best is at Weatherby over jumps. Heretier de Civila in the 157. Hopefully a quick fire and nap next best double here. Um, Heretier de Civila is a definition of a one-pace stout stayer. He has no turn of foot, no change of gears whatsoever. He's run just seven times under rules, was bought from uh, previously point-to-pointing over three miles. Four of his uh, first starts under rules were run over two miles or two miles four furlongs, which is clearly inadequate. Two runs back, he was stepped up to two miles six and a half at Kelso, went to the front and just ground out success, won decisively at the end and was uh, valued for more than the winning margin suggests. Last time out, Phil Kirby stepped up to three miles in a 19-runner race around Weatherby. He raced prominently, but they went slow through the early stages. And as the field quickened, he just couldn't live with them because he has no turn of foot. He was just plodding along, trying his hardest to get back to the leaders, but they quickened, he couldn't. It looked like he was going to fade out the back of the TV, yet in the final two furlongs, he re-rallied. That's not actually a word, but it's an American term. Rallied under pressure. And he was only beating three lengths at the line. It was a really good effort to get that close to the leaders after losing so much ground from turning in until the last hurdle. He's only been put up one pound for that, uh, that performance, which I think leaves him pretty well handicapped he needs to be ridden aggressively small field this time around hopefully they, they're aggressive off the front end try to set a decent pace because i know he's going to gallop to the line and just looking at this field it looks pretty weak much worse than his last time out um the the contest that he faced last time out so yeah heretia de civila in the 157 at weatherby is the next best okay a really comprehensive case for both of them but silky wilkie i'm sold i don't think if any if you're not then um you're not listening to what I'm listening. So let's uh, let's see there. Um, Midland Park going three runners in that race. Um, mm. um, but Silky Wilkie looking to reverse the form with Tiger Bay. Um, thank you for that, um, TC. And good luck to both you and to Ross. Um, I've got a couple of selections. And as I mentioned, going over to Ireland, has got a good card at Ferry House. And have to note as well, Davy Russell is back in action. Um, he's back in action this weekend after what has been the most extraordinary turn of events with Jack Kennedy uh, injured um, and he's out for at least I think it's a month to six weeks and to fill his gap um, David Russell's come out of retirement to ride for Gordon Elliott and others I think he was saying um, he's just race riding like a normal jockey again so that's a bit of a treat for, for everyone um, but unfortunately um, uh, Dave Russell isn't on my selection but uh, Philip Enright is instead and I, I don't think he's a 
bad jockey at all. He'll be riding big debates in the 212 at Ferry House, the Dan and Joan Moore Memorial Handicap Chase, a grade A. They're all graded in Ireland. And so this is one of the better ones, um, a classy event, two mile, one furlong. Um, I was really taken by this horse when he beat Galley Hill at Ferry House over um, just before Christmas. And that was backing up a victory when he beat a horse embittered. Now we know embittered is a, a classy sort for Joseph O'Brien. Um, and it looked that day that big, de big debates had just got it at the weights and that potentially he was slightly flattered, but he was raised five pounds uh, in the handicap and he still absolutely bolted up um, when he won um, at Ferry House. And um, he's, um, He's come back in trip, which has been the real um, intriguing um, aspect. He was running over two and a half miles. They tried him up, up to three, but back to this two-mile trip has really helped him. Robert Tyner is a man that is a shrewd man. He gets his horses, places his horses really well. And uh, even though he's a 10-year-old, he hasn't done a huge amount of racing. So I like him um, in uh, in that fairy house and what's a good race. You've got the likes of Andy Dufresne in there as well, who um, is uh, intriguing considering he's coming into handicap company after plenty of attempts in graded races so i was intrigued by him but i think he's got plenty of weights um but for me it is big debates in uh, at ferry house that's my nap my next best comes in the classic chase this is a race we possibly could have previewed um it's always a good one this is going to be a real war of attrition they've got heavy ground at the moment you will need a stayer. Um, you'll need something that will relish the conditions completely. And I think Nesta Park will uh, for Ben Pauling and Luca Morgan. We know Ben Pauling's having a great season. And this horse proved himself to be a stayer um, at this trip when he kept on um, at Haydock uh, when he was last seen um, in November um, in a handicap chase run over three mile, four and a half furlong. Um, and that was coming in off the back of a, of a good break. He runs well. Fresh. I think that's really key to him. Um, he was a winner at Newbury um, after a bit of a break um, in a novices limited handicap chase last year. That was over two miles, six and a half furlongs, but he's actually benefited from a bit of the trip. He's another horse that is 10 now, but I think he's only just getting better um, as he gets older and potentially with the yard form being as it is, that's really helped him. Um, and I just really like his profile for a race like this where you'll need to, as I said, stay and enjoy the mud. So Nesta Park for me in the classic chase. So that's our nap and next best. Um, hopefully that we found you a few um, good ones for this weekend a reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10 T's and C's always apply please remember to subscribe plenty of you are this new year so uh, welcome to new followers and watchers and listeners to the podcast um, we're on your, re your um, regular podcast channels as well as on YouTube thank you for listening we'll see you next week